Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm here with our illustrious producer, Dave Bodie. Um, I'm here with a guest and a friend. Uh, he's a pastor from uh, the Atlanta, Georgia area. His name is JT Black. Uh, we are brought to you today by Browncroft Community Church, but we are also doing a partnership series with the Small Group Network, which is at a Saddleback Church in California. And our current series that we're in, and this is the last episode of the series, is about a world reopening. What is the world going to be like uh, when the coronavirus is over? We have no idea when this comes out if you know there's going to be changes, so we're going to try to go on the fly. But the question that I'm asking JT today is this, why won't life look the same after the pandemic? JT, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love what you guys are doing with the Why God Why podcast. It's so awesome. I listen <laughs> well, be- all the time. Oh, I appreciate it. Hey, tell us real quick, and then we'll close with this. What what podcasts are you part of at the church you serve? Uh, we've started a couple here, uh, and one is called our Stevens Creek Daily Spark. Uh, and that's just going through the uh, year Bible. And we're taking about a minute, two minutes every day, just a devotion to kick off your day or maybe a lunch break. And then we have a Stevens Creek uh, Family Ministries podcast for um, all of y'all with kids, we, we really want to equip families to start conversations. Maybe it's around the dinner table they listen or uh, on the way to school in the mornings in the car line. Uh, but it's a quick, you know, five to 10 minute listen and uh, kicks off a conversation with your kids about uh, just various topics within the Bible uh, on their level. Well, that kind of gets us set up for this question, which is, why won't life look the same after the pandemic? Um, we're talking about podcasts. We're on a podcast. Um, but before we go any further, you know, why don't you just share a little bit about your story? How did you end up at Stevens Creek? Give a little bit of history, and then we'll go from there. Okay, awesome. Well, I've uh, been here for 12 years. I came as an intern straight out of college. And uh, they haven't been able to get rid of me since. And so uh, I've held different various uh, positions, but for the last seven, eight years, I've worked within our small group department. Um, and then um, over the last couple of years, I've shifted into uh, an executive pastor position here. And uh, I just look to serve our team and help our team in various ways uh, through our Dream Center here in Augusta uh, and uh, through uh, other service opportunities. Uh, and so I really like to serve our ministry outreach here at Stevens Creek Church. So if you're watching on video and you're wondering why there's a big master's uh, a pennant back there, it's Augusta, Georgia people. Get, yes. get, get your green jackets. Yes. So let me... Um, Let's t- we'll talk a little bit more about your role, but okay. take us back to March 2020. Um, you're finding out that there's a pandemic, there's a shutdown. Walk us through what that was like for you as a pastor, as a father, and as a husband. You know, what was that like when you knew, oh my goodness, this world is shut down? Well, my wife and I were actually in Mexico on our 10th anniversary trip, and we're not watching much of the news, uh, but we start seeing some things pinging about you know flights from Europe and travel from Europe and different parts of the world shutting down back into the States. And so that's when it really hit. We started panicking. My parents were watching our kids here. And so we called them and, hey, go stock up on food, all those sorts of things. And it's just the unknown. It was the nervousness of that as a a parent thousands of miles away from our kids. And, um, you know, and I think it hit all of us similarly of just so much of the unknown. And how do you um, how do you take care of your your family? How do you um, provide for them in the coming months? You know, is there going to be food? Is there going to. Uh, be money coming in, just all those uncertainties, and um, and then as those answers started to to come a little bit quicker, it was the how do how do you help lead our church? You know, what is church going to look like? How long is this shutdown going to be? And you know, obviously, you know, across the states, every state handled it differently, and even within that, uh, cities handled shutdowns and lockdowns and all those sorts of things very differently. 
And we actually, our church is kind of on the line of three counties that intersect. And so um, three significant counties. We have Richmond County, which is Augusta proper, uh, and then Columbia County, which is a little outside. And then I live in Aiken, which is on the South Carolina side. We're right on the border of Georgia, South Carolina. And all three of those counties handled everything just drastically different. So if you cross county lines, restaurants were different, uh, public spaces. And so that was a lot of the trickiness, in my opinion, is just how do you honor the leadership of your local community um, by still going forward with the gospel? I think that was a big question that we tried to answer as a church. We didn't want to dishonor anyone. Um, you know, we have a great mayor in Augusta. We have a great uh, city commissioner who attends our church in Columbia County and just people who are, are God-fearing people who want to do what's right for their community and um, just handling it different ways. And not one wasn't right or wrong, um, but, you know, how do we serve our people, keep them safe and keep the gospel going forward? We just kept asking ourselves that over and over. And um, yeah, it was it was an interesting time to say the least. So you left a huge cliffhanger, man. Like, what happened yeah. in the trip to Mexico? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, we, so I looked at flights to come back early, uh, and they were just astronomical. Um, and so we were two, three days out from coming back. So we just stayed patient, came back as scheduled, and landed, and gas stations were overrun there was no more milk bread all the the good stuff but our parents stocked up and and put our pantry in a pretty good position and uh so we got back safely but coming back into the states you know we were expecting customs to just be hazmat suits type of a thing everywhere um you know we were we didn't have masks or anything at the time um so we were coming back in you know that i think they gave us some there at the airport but uh you know it was a little bit easier than I thought it would be. Um, maybe than it should have been. I don't know. Uh, but coming back from Mexico was pretty easy. I, I think the other trips were didn't have a same story. But uh, we got back um, and we really just landed. I, I tell my wife all the time, I feel like we need to redo our 10th anniversary trip because I feel like it was just all the rest and relaxation and fun that we had was just ruined by the next couple of weeks of, of chaos. So... Uh, but we got back and we're good. <laughs> well, you know, let me let me ask you this: uh, what what surprised you positively and negatively about how your life changed during 2020 March on? You know, what were some things that you're like, man, I wish I could go back to that? And what were some other things you're like, man, I really really like this? To me, it was, and it's probably the cliche answer from most of us is, you know, the time that we got to spend with our families, life just slowed down. Um, you know, it was interesting watching, we have a, a great neighborhood for walking um, and just the amount of families that would go by every day uh, walking with their, their pets or and their kids and uh, just spending time together. Um, we have a, a a, a great backyard. And so our, my kids and I, we jump on the trampoline and just, you know, it was just hours of trying to entertain them, but also just investing into their life and investing in, into our family. Um, you know, I, I feel like it was a great year for us. It was a tough year. There were many um, moments of uh, due to quarantine of forced conversations, you know, just getting uncomfortable, um, you know, learning my wife, even 10 years in, just learning new things about her, uh, you know, and her about me and our kids. They're at a great age. We, uh, it was actually one of our goals kind of coming out of the spring of last year to to find a family hobby. Um, and so, and that was one of the, the focuses that we had. We brought it into this year, uh, which they're right at the age. They're five and they were five and seven at the time, uh, starting Little League softball and t-ball. Uh, with them and and just getting outside doing things together that was that was a great positive from us uh the negative was uh, just the absurd amount of time on our hand and how much was wasted uh, being mean to each other you know the the venom behind some of the stuff you know that we saw 
within the news, online, social media, and all that. That was just so disappointing. Even, um, I think it was a perfect storm of that in politics. And and uh, as a church staff, we tried to speak peace and love and speak life over some of those situations if we'd see it. But that was the disappointing thing. But I think it was just... Uh, one of those times in history that we'll learn from and grow from as a Christian body, um, for sure, um, that we're certainly more powerful together and united and so many things that unite us than you know, divide us, for sure. But uh, even as uh, a country and, and the world that uh, we're so much better when we're fighting for each other and instead of against each other. Better together, right? We're better hey, together. Hey, better together. One of my favorite hashtags in the tagline yeah. of the small group network. You know, I, I want to come back to that because, um, you know, when we think about this question, why won't life look the same after the pandemic? Um, in one of our older episodes, Why Does Reconciliation Matter to Sports? We talked to Cody Foster, who works for FCA. And in 2001, you know, there's this huge moment where Georgia W. Bush throws the pitch out in a Yankee stadium and, you know, Democrat or Republican, progressive or conservative, like you kind of put your hat on that moment. Mm-hmm. There was a lot that happened afterwards that was debated. Um, you know, when we think of life not being the same, you know, what we talked about there and what I'm kind of curious and even what you responded, do you think we'll see a moment like that? I mean, you talk about being united and, you know, do, is this a brave new world or, I mean, how do you process over that? I think so. I hope so. Um, I think a lot of the last 12 to 18 months um, have been some growing pains for the the global church. Um, and I, you know, I have a lot of different theories or opinions of why, but I think, uh, you know, this is just prepping us for the next uh, growth spurt within the body of how do we reach people? How do we reach a culture that's always changing? You know, you you look at the news now and it seems horrible and the worst ever, and we want to put those titles on it, but none of this is uh, new to this world. You know, um, if you believe in the scriptures and you believe what we read within the old and New Testament, you know, there's time and time again where we see actions like things that are going on in this world, uh, just morally, the the wars and all those sorts of things, the, the different topics. Um, but I, I, 2001 was a shaping moment for me. I was a freshman in high school, and I can just remember those moments you're talking about. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, and I was watching that game, and it, I get chills to this day remembering that moment. I think ESPN did a great... Uh, a documentary on on that whole day and what led up to it and everything and you know just watching it you just have you you can remember what it felt like to be there and and I think coming out of this uh, the church learned and I think the world learned how important your neighbor is how important your friends are um, I love podcasts I, we've had this conversation but you know just listening to a few different um, secular, for lack of a better word, podcast, of people who are outspoken non-believers just talk about that, talk about how they miss hugs, how they miss uh, giving high fives, how they miss being in arenas with other fans of sports and being a part of things that are bigger than themselves. And they are missing that and they feel their body is, is missing that. And it's interesting listening to them. As a believer, I can say, yeah, it's because you're designed by God to be someone in community. You're, we are designed to need others. You know, there's so many scriptures all over the Bible that talk about that, uh, but they don't realize what they're saying is scriptural necessarily. Uh, but, you know, you see that within the church and outside of the church, just the need to come together. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, will church be back inside? Will it be all online from here on out? And, and you know, we may never really know that answer until 50 years down the road, what the next 10 years are going to look like. But it, the rush back into the sports arena, the rush back into, man, I've, I've not gotten so many spam emails from stand-up comedians over the last <laughs> six weeks of concerts coming to the area, comedians coming to the area. You know, people are wanting to hear 
a, thou- a room of a thousand people laughing again. They're wanting to be in a place where tens of thousands of people are cheering on or booing or whatever, you know, just celebrating things that don't matter. But the important thing is being with other people, experiencing things with other people and just going through those life moments, you know, to be in the Yankee Stadium when uh, President Bush was throwing out that pitch had to be just this unreal moment that they'll never forget, just what it was like. And there weren't fans of teams at that time. They were just all together for our country and what we had been through. So I imagine coming out of this pandemic, it'll be the same. You know, the, we probably all read the the predictions or forecasts. You know, this the roaring 20s are coming to the, the t- 2000s. And, uh, you know, it's uh, 2020 is going to be like 1920 kind of a thing. And, and we'll see what the next 10 years look like. Will it be just a year of, of coming together? And I hope so. I hope so in many ways that we can celebrate each other, that we can love one another, serve each other. Um, but I, I believe that the last 18 months has really taught the church some lessons and how we can better do that for sure. So I kind of want to come back to where we started and kind of what you just said. You know, we started by you sharing, you're doing a podcast and the joke is like everybody during the pandemic thought about doing a podcast and, you know, but on the other hand, you talked about you've never gotten more emails from uh, comedians you know, the day that we're recording this, Milwaukee won the championship and like Milwaukee won the NBA and that place was filled. Outside of the arena was more people than in, I mean, it was bananas. It it was crazy. So when we think about life not looking the same, you know, how are you practically dealing with that in the sense of, I know there's some people that are like, this meeting should be an email. you know, I want to work from home. We did that episode with James Browning, mm-hmm. um, the first one of this. And so I guess, how are you kind of navigating this this new world and world reopening of kind of saying, hey, there's some stuff that we need to keep and there's other stuff that maybe, you know, there's a different format for. So we're, we're certainly unique from a lot of people I've talked to and probably you um, and where your location is. We shut down but uh, it was very short-lived. You know, it was four to six weeks here in in our area of just total isolation. And then from there, we opened back our church. Uh, We started groups in a virtual setting, and then uh, probably quicker than most others have experienced, they were back in person just because they couldn't, or many started transitioning back into person meetings. Uh, We certainly had a great percentage that we're not. Um, the way we're dealing with it is we're telling people to cherish those moments more, uh, to celebrate in those, you know, someone graduating or, um, you know, the baptism services that we've had since have been uh, so special. We've seen families come in, you know, typically do, but just like the celebration around them has a little bit deeper of a meeting than maybe normal because it's the first time a grandparent has seen a grandchild in maybe a few months or something like that, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's certain living in those moments a little bit more is something that we are encouraging. We're trying to do as a church uh, to celebrate those moments for sure. Uh, and then in doing everything, there's not a or everything is and, you know, we're going to do in-person and we're going to do online with a better level of excellence. You know, the things that we were doing online for those, I think it was six to eight weeks, whatever it was, that we were completely shut down in person uh, when we were all online with services, we're going to take that same focus and put that into our everyday services now, um, even though mm. we're back and in live and in person. And so, uh, you know, we have people watching from all over the world now. And, you know, we're not a, a church that would normally get that attention, but just due to the pandemic, we have that. Um, and we want to serve those families that are watching two hours away or even 10, 15 hours plus that are different parts of the world. And so, uh, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of, uh, new families come in that we've we've got to serve that have moved to the area for different reasons that um, you know we've helped them learn just the realities of 
hey, this isn't where, you know, the place where you came from. We're, this, These are how we're trying to be safe. These are the precautions we're taking, et cetera, et cetera. And we just want to set people at ease. We want to make them comfortable so that they can properly receive. And so that's another element that we try to do is, as we are small group host specifically, how do you set the rest of your group at ease and know that your precautions are being taken care of, you know, past, hey, if you're sick, don't come. But like, what are other things that we're, we're doing to just, make sure that everybody is safe and taken care of and those sorts of things. So, No, I, I love that. And, you know, when I when I think about what you just said, you know, because we've said both and, and, you know, what's funny about saying like digital and in-person is mm-hmm. the digital people are like, yeah, both and, whatever you do for in-person. And then the in-person are like, yeah, whatever you want to do with digital. But like, it's really, you can see the continuum switch. And you know, I, I think something that like I've even been thinking about, like where I spend my time, um, is uh, so I just kind of throw this out hypothetically. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be talking seventy percent of the time, I probably should do that digitally and not invite people in person. And I just feel like the bar for in person has been raised. Like, That's, yeah. Like we assume that like, and I think church leaders and even some business leaders, and even I'm thinking of our listeners, like we assume that if we just do a great entertainment, you know, if we put on an excellent production that people are just going to come and to a degree, like if you're a really funny comedian, yeah, they will. I'm not that funny, but like even just trying to think like if I'm going to invite people to come in person like they have to feel like they can invest and say something that they're going to be heard. And I think that that's even something that I'm processing through because I feel like people feel that they're so busy. How do I come to their world? Mm -hmm. And that's probably something that's changed in me in this pandemic of if you're really busy, I want you to invest in your families. I want you to invest in your spiritual life, but I want to be careful that if I'm going to invite you to do something that it's worth your time. Yeah, that's a great point. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I like uh, the seventy thirty rule. Um, yeah, that's certainly you know making sure each moment is brings a huge value, and um, yeah, that's that's awesome. So yeah, well, let's let's kind of back up a little bit. Um, now we're just having, um, you know, I feel like we're talking shop, and this is the yeah. long. I told Kirsten, I said this is the longest conversation I've had, and it's just recorded. So, um, you know what. What are things that you're glad or you hope never come back after the pandemic? Like when you look at 2020 pre-March, like what are some things that you're like, man, I'm I'm glad we got rid of that. Oh, man. Uh, I think it's it's ex- exactly what you were talking about, the unnecessary things. <laughs> Uh, you know, the unnecessary meetings, uh, the unnecessary time of them, you know, that's something that I was, I was focused on anyway, you know, if the meeting can be 30 minutes, you know, don't have it at 45 or whatever, but uh, it would, it would be the unnecessary things like that. I think um, that we can cut out. I don't have a whole lot. I don't have a, a huge running list of those things uh, <laughs> that I just, uh, I'm I'm glad that's gone. Um, well, well, let me ask you this: you have you have two yep. kids. Um, mm-hmm. They're six and eight now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do they or do you sense like a going back to normal, like sports and stuff, or is there kind of a a pause and a question of, you know, maybe we want to slow down, maybe we want to, maybe they need more structure. I mean, how are you walking through that? So for us, we uh, we tried ramping that up, more activities for them. Um, my daughter, she's the oldest, uh, so we saw more so in her uh, just um, this antsiness that she she needed more community. You know, her she was even in person school um, this last year, but it was so structured. They had lunch inside the classroom. They wore mask all day they were all separated you know conversations were limited uh time on the playground was limited what they could do all these rules and things and so we wanted to give her time to just be a kid uh and so uh, we did a lot of things uh 
for her specifically that worked for my son as well. He's a, ho- a little bit more of a homebody and uh, he hadn't quite got to that age yet. He didn't know what had been taken away really when he started preschool. Uh, like we never really got to meet our preschool, his preschool teacher in person um, just because of the limitations in place. And so um, just those sorts of things, we tried to find places for them to just get that energy out. So we spent a lot of time at the, the neighborhood pool, a lot of time jumping on the trampoline and playing t-ball and, and softball and all those things. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think I struggle. Um, so my wife and I, we had a long distance relationship. We, we FaceTimed a ton. And when mm-hmm. I moved to Rochester to marry her, you know, she'd say like, I, I don't feel like we talk as much. And I'm like, honey, I live here, like, you know, and so, you know, I'm, I'm even wondering, like, just schedule wise, like, just, you had this time, and Mm -hmm. I I still remember one time my wife said to me, she's like, do you think you work more or less from home during the pandemic? I go, about the same. She's like, no, you're working more. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't know if you had similar conversations with your wife, and it sounds like even too, you had less of that than maybe I did. Yeah, my wife was happy when we came back to work in person. She was, get out of the house. <laughs> get out of here, go. You know, um, I get antsy too. Uh, I love traveling. I love getting out. And so she was glad when I could kind of get out and stretch my legs a little bit. You know, I... The, uh, Staying in the house doesn't work well for me. Um, And so I'm like, my daughter and I are similar in that. And so just finding even busy work things to do. Uh, We started actually uh, a Friday morning uh, basketball small group where we, uh, we play, we, you know, sometimes it's five on five, sometimes three on three, but we just go to a gym with the church and and just play with some of the guys from around the church and and that's been huge for me personally of just getting out and then when it comes to work um I'm not able I'm not like you on this so I'm not able to focus when I'm at home and so the hours may seem like I'm working a lot more but it's a lot less done uh, I don't quite have that kind of discipline yet um so coming to the office was a big thing for me um so, you know, just as we think about this question and I, as I was thinking about this episode, I just, you know, I think I'm coming more and more to the realization of like the dumb things that I do, like for work wise and even just trying to plan ahead. Um, I think people know Thursday's like my off day. Um, mm-hmm. So really trying to guard that. Um, and so I think you know, why life won't look the same for me is really just trying to hone in on that rhythm. Um, You know, even to the fact of like, we went from one to two kids during the pandemic. Um, But like, even with my daughter, Haley, I would take her on drives in the afternoon. And I'm just trying to find a sustainable schedule on top of having like, you know, I used to get up at 5.30 and everybody used to sleep until 7 and my daughter Lucy now, she's like 5.45, I walk into her crib, she's like looking at me, smiling. But where you been? Where, where <laughs> you been? Where you been? Is there, is there, I know you're talking about amping up more, but did any, as you look at the future and maybe to help our listeners as they process through this question of why won't life look the same, I mean, do you kind of have a dream schedule of kind of a sustainable life that maybe the pandemic pushed you in a good direction with? Yeah. Schedule. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit more of a, a fluid person personality. Like I'm, uh, and that's probably a lot coming from my wife. You know, I, I certainly try to keep to, but um, you know, the, the days change. I'm sure yours do too, but uh, for me, it's having those activities, uh, having the important time carved out, like, Hey, these are the can't miss things. I've been more intentional about that. Um, and then I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to find a balance because in, within the pandemic, I really shift roles here at the church. And so uh, within that timeline, so it's trying to, to discover, you know, serving our, our staff here, 
you know, how I can do a better job of that. And some of that is just carving out some do not disturb time for me. And I'm trying to learn how to do that so that I can answer emails so I can, you know, work on uh, the need to in the moment things for my own work uh, so that I can be better available for them. So that's the biggest thing is how can I, how can I be more disciplined and I'm trying to learn this. This isn't something that I perfected during the pandemic. But I'm trying to learn how can I, how can I be better about my time, my work, my personal life, my spiritual life, so that I can then be undistracted when serving others, my family, my kids. You know that I'm not thinking about work. That I'm not thinking about these other things. I need to be more focused. And it may be, hey, you get one hour today, or you get you know, X amount of hours this week, whatever it is, but knocking it out in that time and not knowing I don't have the ability to go over really much in that. And so that's the biggest thing that I've been trying to process through over the last six months or so. Um, and it's certainly a painful work in progress. Uh, so, well, let's come back to that, but you know, walk us through, cause I'm sure a lot of our listeners, uh, had career changes, had mm-hmm. promotions or even staffing changes. What was that like? You know, take us through the timeline and, you know, was it an easier transition? Was it more difficult? You know, I mean, tell us, you know, about that transition in your life. Um, well, I really, I started absorbing more. I moved into the executive role and part of that was uh, taking on HR and uh, staff development. And so, you know, finding ways to better equip our staff, uh, to serve our staff if there's issues going on, if there's, you know, whether it's personal or within the staff or whatever, you know, if there's a need for that that HR um, um, stuff. And to me, it is easier if you want it to be easier. If you want, there were, I think the pandemic offered more shortcuts and abilities for organizations and companies to be dismissive of people if they wanted to be because they could just blame the pandemic. But if you wanted to do an excellent job, it became much more, you had to be much more intentional about it. Maybe that's more difficult, but you had to be more intentional. Um, And so whether it was Zoom calls, uh, whether it was in-person meetings or making sure uh, the meetings happened, you know, in spacing or, or whatever around our church. Our our offices here, how they're laid out, are already kind of distanced. Um, and so it, that wasn't as large of a concern. If we had, uh, I think, more than whatever the local guideline, more than three or five people in a meeting, you know, we had it in a, a larger, a very large room. So we we adhered to the local uh, guidelines. But, um, you know, our, our, so we were here earlier than probably a lot more were. Uh, but because I was going into this new role, you know, it was, there was a lot of research with you know, the person I came on, came into this new role with a teammate in it. Uh, we were researching a lot, you know, how can we better serve as an HR department as staff development? We were looking at training videos, all those things, um, software. And so this last year really has been a lot of research on that. And over the last few months, we've been rolling out some things. This next month, we're, we're coming out with a revised uh, procedure policy and procedures handbook for our staff. And so that's what a lot of the last year has been. So in some ways, it's been more difficult. Um, to me, it's forced us all to be more intentional to, to your earlier point of being more intentional with your time with people um, because it's easier now to just say, I'll catch it later or, you know, it doesn't, you know, pandemic, you know, catch me in a few months. Like in it to discard people is a lot simpler now because you don't see them face to face as you used to. And Mm. so um, I don't know. Does that make sense? No, that makes, that's a ton of sense. Cause I think a lot of people walked through that. I want to shift a little bit because you're a leader of leaders, you're an executive, but you also, you know, you serve a ton of volunteers and people that attend the church. You know, when they ask this question, why won't life uh, look the same after the pandemic? You know, what are the things that you're sensing at Stevens Creek in Augusta, Georgia, that people are feeling and thinking and, you know, just about this whole last 18 months? Um. So within the church, within our local church, we've experienced 
Um, I go back to the scripture about, you know, um, it's much better to be hot or cold than it is to be lukewarm. God will spew you out of his mouth than, than to be if you're lukewarm. To me, we saw a lot of those casual attenders check the box off uh, that they watched online or uh, participated in the week and that moved from casually attending to slowly not attending anymore. But we saw a lot more uh, very serious believers. And then we saw a lot of people in um, that were completely disconnected from the local church, non-believers. We had probably three, four weeks in a row, multiple families come in that were, I've never been in a church before. What am I supposed to do? Um, as they were coming back and connecting uh, with people again. And so we saw a lot of that, very uh, devout believers, and then those that have never thought about church before or hated the church even, come back to church before we did uh, the casual attender. And so we've seen that. So to me, that's a difference. The casual attender is not going to be here as much, in my opinion. Um, And this is probably things that other parts of the country, I'm in the Bible Belt, we're... Augusta, Georgia is where the Southern Baptist Convention was started. So church is like what you do here. And so we have a lot more of the casual attender than maybe other parts of the country. Um, But uh, so maybe we caught up with the rest of the world in that sense. Uh, So that's one way that we're not going to be the same here in our area. Um, You know, that you're, if you're attending church, it's because there's a strong desire to do so. It's not, you know, for lack of a better term, the country club mentality. Um, and so that's one way um, the the worship and um, the community that we see happen in and around each service each week. Um, there's just a different excitement. I remember our, our very first, you talk about the uh, President Bush moment and have him throwing out that first pitch. Um, even more so, our very first service back in person um, was kind of an impromptu worship night that we thought a hundred people would come to. And we had a couple hundred people. We were distanced. We were, we did what we could to accommodate that. Um, our auditorium seats, seven, 800, maybe a little bit more. Um, and so we, we did that, but just the feeling in the room of like worshiping with other believers, you know, the Bible talks about heaven, just the choirs of people worshiping God, you know, at the same time, it was like that moment. And it was just, that's a moment that will be etched in my memory for my ministry uh, for a very long time. Um, just to have it taken away and to be able to come back and do it again, um, just to cherish those moments. I think that's a, I think we're all trying to do a better job at that. And I hope that doesn't uh, I hope we don't take these things for granted again. You know, I think it's a lot of things that we took for granted beforehand um, that we say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, and then, you know, just human nature, we do, you know, we, we're going to take, you know, going to the ball game with our kids or whatever, uh, and getting a hot dog with them. There's going to be a moment where that's just an everyday occurrence, but, um, you know, these moments uh, over the next few months and years that, especially in worship that, hey, these things can be taken away. That, I mean, they've, other people aren't as blessed as we are around the world, and it's not as easily attainable, or you have to do so in secrecy. So I, I realize that, um, but that that we wouldn't, we are blessed, we are able to do so, and so uh, that we shouldn't take it for granted. Um, you know, we're we're about to close, but something that you just said that if you added a casual attender you know, who their answer, why won't life look the same after the pandemic? It's I'm disillusioned with church. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, we talk about people being de-churched and unchurched and, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people listen to this podcast that were there, you know, what would you say to them to encourage them, you know, just kind of based on, you know, just, Hey, I didn't see any value in it, or maybe I didn't feel um, a sense of belonging at the church. And I don't know if you were sitting down having coffee with someone like that, you know, how would you encourage them and what would you say to them? First of all, I would apologize. Um, I feel like the church purposely or not, we gave a lot of excuses for people to be upset over the last little bit. 
Um, and some of it was taken out of our hands. I, I don't, I don't blame one person or one body, um, but just people be, we're imperfect and we make up, uh, we try to serve a perfect God as best we can. But, you know, through the election season and through this pandemic, you know, everything's become so politicized and the church has been caught in the middle of that. And, you know, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I would say, I'm sorry if, if, if you've been hurt by the church, um, and there, there has been a moment within this pandemic for all of us that we've said the, those three words, why God, why, why God, why did this happen? Uh, lose my job. Why is my family fracturing? Um, why are my kids and I, why can we not get on the same page? Uh, and I would just encourage them to just come back, find a, a Bible believing local church, um, that you can just go and sit in and just hear the answers of God. You know, um, I've done more funerals in this last year than I did the entire 11 years combined. Mm. Um, and there were a lot of moments that I, a lot of those funerals, I was just asking why God did this happen to this person? Why did, you know, they didn't deserve this. Their kids don't deserve to be watching this happen. You know, why are these things going on? To me, that was the most jarring thing that I experienced is just watching these, these tragedies just unfold um, around us and people losing people way too early or to circumstances that they shouldn't have. And, um, and you take these personal moments and they become sound bites to other people on social media. They become sound bites to people in the news and it, we've just desensitized ourselves to the stories of the, our lives around us. You know, we've, um, so I would encourage somebody to get connected to those stories, to hear someone out, to sit, you know, if we're at a coffee shop, let's just talk about your life. Why are you finding yourself there? Why do you, where are you hurting? Um, you know, how can I help you? I think that's what the church is getting. Um, a lot of it, a lot of us have kept doing this. So, but the global church, I think through all of this mess, we've seen some clarity come in our vision, our mission uh, from God. And how can we serve those that are hurting? How can we serve the least of these? How can we help people heal, the communities heal, the violence and things that we've seen uh, unfold within our country and around the world? You know, how can we help people heal from these pains and hurts and, um, you know, so I would start with that. How can our church, how can we help you where you are at? What is going on within your life that, you know, as you're asking, why God, why, why did this happen? How is life going to ever get back to normal? Whatever, whatever that is. And life isn't going to be the same anymore. And a lot of that's great. We talked about those things that are going to be good changes. Uh, but some of the things that we're going to leave behind, um, are going to be missed. And, um, and so how can we better connect with you and let you know the heart of Christ first and foremost? So I think kind of what I hear you saying is that, you know, you would tell, you know, the person that that's given up on church, you would tell, um, you would push back and just apologize for the church, but also like realize that maybe the answer to this question, why won't life look the same after the pandemic is it's really about, it's not about technology. It's not about, um, you know, wearing masks or the future fear of outbreaks, but, you know, really it's the intentional relationships of getting together. I think that's kind of yeah. what I hear you saying. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's those personal stories of people. It's, you know, those relationships, it's all those things that you need to, to reconnect with that we've disconnected with, you know, we've all heard the stories of, you know, human, you know, it, the Bible talks about, you know, this, the Satan is on the prowl like a lion and he's like, you know, isolation is one of the best ways to be attacked. 
as you know in anything, but certainly our spiritual life, our personal life, when we isolate ourselves from our friends, our family, when we isolate ourselves from what God has called us to, that's when we get in trouble. So, um, yeah, reconnect with those those people around you and um, with the local church specifically um, mm. to help serve you in those moments. Wow. What a way to end the podcast. That was very powerful just to hear your heart and just kind of what you've been through. We close every podcast with a question, you know, why does Jesus, uh, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? Um, so what does Jesus have to say about why the world won't look the same, you know, after the pandemic? So the good news is, is that I start the conversation um, and well, that's actually the bad news. And then the good news is if I throw out any heresy, you just kind of take care of it. So, uh, you know, as I'm kind of closing this conversation, um, you know, it's funny, we started like super practical where I think most people thought this episode, uh, was going to go. Um, but you know, we landed at a, a fairly deep spot, just even to hear you talk about the 11 funerals or the more funerals in the in the past 11 years and you know as i'm thinking about this question um i wonder how often we grieve the old but we're not open to the new and even in the world that we're living in today with the polarized politics with all the discussions about the pandemic that are we going to be open enough for a fresh move of God? Mm. Um, and so I think about, you know, when Jesus came, it was a world very much like the one we live in. It was, um, it was painful. Um, there was a lot of just disunity and, you know, you, you can just sense the tension and it just, it seems like, you know, that when we think about the world, not looking the same, there's some grieving and there's some negatives about it, but I, I think even what I'm hearing from you is, is cautious hope that, that God enters into this. And, you know, I can think of nothing, you know, more poignant than Jesus dying on the cross is that Jesus enters the pain of humanity to change us. And what, why not right now? Um, so those are my thoughts as we think about this last question. For our church, um, our, our lead pastor, he, um, there were three conversations he had the year leading up to 2020 with three different people within the same week. And, and they just kind of spoke a promise over him and our church ministry and just talking about uh, what we refer to as the second harvest of our church, those coming to faith. Um, and we were super excited. Hey, the second harvest, we're going to see a great revival of people coming to, to faith over these next this next season in our mind. And then the pandemic hit. And it was like, wait, God, I thought you promised, you know, all of this, you know, this spiritual prosperity for lack of a better word. And so we're like kind of going through this last year of like, we're supposed to see more people coming to faith. We're supposed to see X, Y, Z, all these things kind of, everything's, this is supposed to be perfect, right? And it's imperfect. And um, my opinion is we've cleared out a lot of the the mess and the junk, the chaos that just the world naturally brings, human nature brings, just things, confusion. But we've cleared the way for God to really make himself known. And uh, y- I am super optimistic. I am expectant of what this next six months is going to look like, this next 12 months is going to look like for our church and the the global church around the world of just seeing a renewed revival. Um, I don't believe those those five weeks in a row of families coming in of I've never been in a church before. That in Augusta, Georgia is very unique. You've accidentally walked into a church at some point in your life here. Like, so when I say that, that's a huge deal for we are in the buckle of the Bible belt and we're seeing that happen here. Uh, I certainly, you've seen other stories of revivals across the world 
And so I think we've cleared out all the excuses for people to say, oh, it's because I'm this or it's because I'm a good speaker or the music was great to give worldly excuses. And there's going to be no other way to define what is coming other than saying God is moving in a fresh way like you're talking about. Um, and so and I, I'm super excited. Uh, it's scary. It's uh, um all those emotions that come in the uncertainty of like, how's God going to do it? How is this going to happen? What is, what is it going to look like? Uh, all that's certainly there, but I'm super excited about being a part of the greater story told. And that's what this podcast, when we were talking, you doing it, like just hearing the local church expression in different parts of this country and, and how it, how it's showing itself. Um, to me, that's an exciting, um, story to be told and to hear. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm pumped for 21 and 22. That's for sure. I love it. What a place to close. Um, I just, uh, where can people find you online? And, uh, just before you do that, as you think about the, your handle, um, this will be shared on the Stevens Creek podcast. So, you know, you're going to, we have this little Rochester Augusta connection, so this is great, but yeah. tell people where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's my favorite social media, um, at John underscore Tyler. Uh, that's what the JT stands for. And uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, John Tyler Black, um, and uh, StevensCreekChurch.com all things local. I don't have a website or anything like that to point people to. And I have a Twitter handle, but I haven't been on there in so long. I wouldn't know what it is. So uh, we're about to head into our small group season. So if you're looking for a group, you can certainly find it there. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for being here. For The best way to get in touch with us is go to whygotawhypodcast.com. Uh, put your email in the subscription. You won't miss an episode. And uh, yeah, as you hear this episode, feel free to share this. Um, we'll be tagging JT so you won't miss him. So thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day.